It's like if you ever go to, you guys have been to Tassie, right? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Only home about that. Those, when you go to Tassie and if you get out in anywhere kind of bush adjacent, even if it's like near uh, Cradle Mountain National Park and stuff and you get to go and experience some nature or whatever, when you're walking around, the possums are bears. <laughs> <laughs> You've never seen a bear in before, Tasmania. <laughs> Tasmania, oh, where possums are bad. <laughs> possums are bad. Well, no, because okay, you see wombats we get so as well. used to like Queensland, so yeah, wombats are little men. Uh, <laughs> they're little men that look like the poo that they make because they're like big, <laughs> big chunky furry cubes that poo smaller cubes. <laughs> oh, like the first a- time somebody saw a, a cube shitting a cube, they were just like, ah, oh, it's giving birth. <laughs> the wonders of wombat nature. But no, <laughs> grumpy poo. You, I look, it's a grumpy fucking uh, three-dimensional uh, object. I'm so glad I've got one of these tattooed on my body now. Yeah, wombat. <laughs> um, but no, that you get used to the size of like a Queensland possum. Uh, and, and that's true to me because I grew up with them. That is what a possum is. And then you're in there in fucking Tassie and one of them comes up and just like, you know, looking at you like you're going <laughs> to yeah, drop a snack. And you're like, no, nah, mate, go away. And it goes like, you fucking go away. And you're like, you feel like you're going to shovel with your foot and it shoves you back. You're like, what the f- what, what do you want? And the wildlife is like aggressive down there. <laughs> they have the Tasmanian tiger, there's the Tassie devil, and there's the aggressive Tassie devil's a small awesome. little man though. Yeah, no, but- no, no, but uh, have you heard what noises they make? Is it like a curl you? Yeah, much like a curlew, much, much like a curlew, they screech. Mm. And it's mostly when they're like competing because they're individualistic competitive devils. And so the males will like go, and when they see each other, they'll be like, Rah! and they like make terrifying noises. I'm not noises sure it's exactly that, that are noise. larger <laughs> than the mass of their body. Like, like that's why they thought that the, the woods were filled with these like huge beasts is because like the sound that they're creating is mm. so loud and so large that- like, Reminds me a lot of metal singers that I know. <laughs> yeah, kind <laughs> of. Similar technique. You know what I would like to see again as an echidna? I saw one once and it was a ploddy little bundle I've of never seen an echidna. sewing needles. Aww. With a nose. With a nose, a little nose. A little inspector's, an inspector's nose. Like looking at it and going, hey, what's going to offend? I don't know why he's French in my mind. It's like, what are you going to try to offend the clues? <laughs> with my inspector's snoot. Uh, I really love it. Oh my God. Are you with me, Monsieur Kangaroo? <laughs> We really must, <laughs> we've created a TV show. Now. I was going to say, we've created a children's a, TV show. This is like a book series. About Inspector like Echidna. Ins- Inspector <laughs> oh Dude, fucking stop the podcast. Stop does, recording. Wait, stop, he, stop the tape. I have to go make Can a children's TV show. Can he wear a little vest? He is, of course, he's wearing a vest, but it has to fit underneath his pins, you know? So I have to get all the little holes extra yes. put in so you slot over the pins. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, the pins would have to go through, but that would make it sort of like a punk jacket. Like, yeah. Like spikes. Yeah, so you see me from the front, I look like an unassuming investigative little nose. From the back, I'm like punk as fuck. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's do a podcast. Welcome once again to the Music and Everything podcast. My name is Jim. I'm here with the Sams. And today we're going to get excited about something that I don't know anything about, which is, of course, sewing. Yes. And I want to specifically say sewing and 
Haberdashery. And I wanted to say that just because the word is nice. It's a very fun word. Haberdashery sounds like a drum fill that's getting away from you. <laughs> Wonderful. Haberdashery. Haberdashery. But it's really sewing. Haberdashery is a whole other thing. It's a different thing. It's a, it's I just a wanted sub- to say the words. No, so. I get it. I because get haberdashery it. is the bits. Okay, so when you say the bits, what do you mean? The, the sewing articles. The uh, uh, textiles and tools. How much of a foundation of knowledge about sewing do you have to have before we can actually discuss what haberdashery <laughs> is or isn't? Because we started about uh, 30 seconds ago. <laughs> um, you don't really... Actually, I feel like haberdashery is the perfect place to start. Fuck yes, I did it. I did it. No <laughs> Because I think it's important to sort of get a lay of the land when it comes to sewing. What are we actually talking about? And what do you use? And, and sort of starting off with the who, what, when, where, why mm-hmm. of the situation. Sam's wearing the hat, by the way. Oh, yeah. I'm, that's why I'm talking. Samantha is wearing the hat. Yeah. Let's be specific. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jim. Um, so haberdashery. Haberdashery is the collection of textiles that you use and the implements in which you use to join them, which is in a nutshell what sewing is, joining textiles with implements. Smushing cloth with other cloth using bits. Using bits. That's great. Okay, thanks (laughs) for listening, everybody. I'm really glad. You can find us on social media. So when we say the tools that you use, obviously what most people would know with sewing would be needle and thread. So you get two pieces of cloth, whether that's cotton, poplin, linen, rayon, shut up, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But human flesh is an interesting segue into what started sewing, which was animal skins. Of course, I am leading this podcast today (laughs) via accidental segue. Um, And so you would join those with a needle to puncture through the two pieces of material and the thread to bind them. And so that's a, in a nutshell what sewing is. Great. And so when we're talking about sewing as a kind of contemporary practice. Sewing in 2022. Yeah. Sewing, sewing is t- a hashtag. Hashtag sewing. Yes. It's also a subreddit. There's a, it's a community. And so there is like a big. Oh, huge. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's a huge space with sewing and, and particularly with hobbyist sewers or amateur sewers. So we're talking about non non-seamstresses. Right. So at, at the risk of sounding ignorant, like usual, um, is a seamstress like a thing now? Like yes. they, they, So there is such a thing as, of course, this is so such a dumb question, no, no. but like it, uh, it, it feels to me a lot like sewing is, is more of a hobby now than it can be a profession. Is that? Well, it, that's a really interesting thing to consider because you, when you think about seamstresses, you think obviously older. You think of kind of Victorian era, maybe even older than that. A of spinning women. wheel. Yeah, and like women crafting cloth because it's the only way that things could be Cackling made. Cackling as they prophesy. <laughs> okay, you're thinking of witches? Ah! <laughs> it's just a different thing. <laughs> the thread unveils the future. So that's spinning, which is a different thing. That's not sewing? Sewing that's not. is different. I was really excited for the prophecies this episode. <laughs> so you, did you look into yes, spinning? Yes, but we'll get to that. Okay, but anyway. Oh, we are talking about spinning? We're going to talk yeah, about I'll it. I'll save it's the important. witchery for yeah, later. Yeah, so the witchery is coming later. Yay. Um, but I think what's something that's really important when we're talking about seamstress is we're also talking about handmade, right? We're talking about made by an individual, constructed by hand. Mm-hmm. It is a really important thing to start this conversation off with that all clothes are handmade. The clothes that you buy in stores are made by an individual on a sewing machine. What? Yeah. And this is something that when I started researching this and started talking to some people about sewing, I didn't really put together until one of our friends sort of kind of highlighted that fact that it's like, 
when you think of like a manufacturing factory for clothing, you're mm-hmm. probably thinking of lots of machinery, right? But what it is, it's individual people with machines producing clothes. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, as the, like, generally kind of self-hating, cynical human being that I generally am day to day, uh, the first thing I think is a bunch of children. But that's Aww. that's just me. But, yeah, that's an interesting thought. I can't, like, you're so right. I didn't even consider that at all. I think of mass production as mass machine production and mm-hmm. not a whole ton of people making a whole ton of clothes. Yeah, and so obviously there are the negative attributes in particularly in post-industrial exploitation um, exploitation of workers and that is that is definitely a whole other conversation for a whole other different podcast really. Oh yes. Ultimately, um but it is an important thing to consider that the, even when you're going to H&M, Kmart or even high like Particularly the Any of our sponsors, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, uh, Target, uh, they're all handmade clothes that are way too cheap for the fact that they're handmade clothes. Mm. Because when you think about how much work goes into constructing a piece, like a shirt, it sort of puts into how perspective. How hard could it be? You got the body, <laughs> you got a couple of sleeves, you got the abdomen, bash them to the abdomen, <laughs> you remove the thorax. <laughs> You're talking about bugs now. No. I don't know how we got here. No, no, no. We, we polished the giblets <laughs> oh, and then you attach the sleeves to the Having, thorax. Okay. No, you don't forget the antenna on top. The antenna. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. If you want to brand it, obviously. <laughs> okay. Um, and I, like, the, the cool thing about this topic is I have dabbled in sewing. I own sewing machines. I own an overlocker and a sewing machine, a high quality one, because I dabble in <laughs> this. Who, of course, is sponsoring the podcast. Seeing <laughs> <laughs> a sewing machine. Um, and it was a wonderful gift and it's a very, very interesting thing because I had that same idea of like sewing is so easy. It'll be you just combine. <laughs> no, I don't actually think that. No, but I was I being did. facetious no, for the I sake did. of humour. I was like, oh, making a skirt, easy, right? You just have the skirt and then you do the thing. Yeah, and <laughs> let the two become How one. How fucking hard is it to make a skirt? You take the skirt. And then you have it. You put it on. That's a skirt. It's fucking, look, you just go to the fucking store and you get one. Idiot. God. Um, so easy. But I think it's important if we're going to talk about kind of sewing in a bit more depth, probably to start from the beginning. The beginning. Of time? <laughs> from the well, big bang. No, but The I, moment that humans started I, feeling shame about their ghibli bits. <laughs> a little bit sooner than that. Like a closer, like okay. for the later. Wait, and what, the what kind of, how far back are you thinking of going? Because I can go differently Neanderthals. far back. All oh, right, okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, the answer to your question, Jim, is around 170... Hun- what? 170,000 <laughs> years before present. Oh, wow. Uh, is when humans wish to wear clothes as far as we know. Problem is, is we can't really tell Ooh. because textiles and even, you know, skins and stuff and hides, they'll decay. Oh, they break down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the only reason why we know that humans started wearing clothes is that's the exact point that we can estimate that uh, human head lice became evolved into normal lice that you find on clothes, which means that they must have been on humans wearing clothes. What the fuck? Yikes. I did either not that know this. Like we that's horrifying. lived in caves nude with wolves who had that fashion sense though. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, imagine if wolves, I'm not even going to go anywhere with this bit, but you know, imagine if wolves, right, you know, wore jackets. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So that's a reality sick. that humans would have had taken hundreds of thousands of years to, to create the dog jacket that we have now. <laughs> it's like, Fuck yeah. It's got a little jacket. <laughs> oh, but love- that's where we got the idea of clothes from. So obviously that, that's gone full circle now. 
Yeah, because we now clothe our wolves. It is now canon that wolves had clothes first. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so similarly, uh, one of the, like like you said, it's very difficult to determine when particularly things like threads or, or textiles, especially because mm-hmm. textiles are very difficult to make and a lot of the clothing was originally produced from skins because and furs because that was warm and accessible and you didn't have to have a specialist like products to do it. Um, and looming came a lot um, later, but thread is kind of an essential component of sewing and you need to create thread from something. Thread yeah. doesn't exist. So let's get this, this conceptually down. Like in order to create cloth, you need first a thread or um, yarn, which is basically twisted fiber. And that comes from a fiber which you have to produce from um, plants, from cotton, from flax, which becomes linen, from... And obviously Bamboo. from animal stuff like our wool um, and hair. Mm. Um, so we do know that humans were using textiles about like I think uh, 27,000 years BC around then. And we know that because um, that they had uh, sewing needles. <laughs> there were sewing needles that they found. Oh there were undoubtedly sewing needles. They were like carved out of bird bone. Mm. To be small and fine. Bird bone is amazing. like the perfect bone for an uh, animal-based needle. I'll let them know. Yeah. Um, and the fact that also the, this is the, a really cool thing actually is um, we don't have the textiles from humans of that time, but we have the art made by humans of that time. Like there's a Venus statue. Oh, true. Um, from France, I think, yeah. Um, 25,000 years old um, and it's depicting a woman wearing a skirt. <laughs> In this absolutely stunning outfit here. <laughs> On the red carpet tonight, it's Venus. Uh, <laughs> but you also, and then you, all, I didn't even think about that, like cave drawings and things like that, depicting cloth, shawls, all of those sorts of things. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but the evidence of using fiber that we that we have material evidence of isn't from humans. It's from Neanderthals um, and from Denisovans. Um, so the sewing needles was actually from Denisovans. It wasn't from humans. It was from another hominid. So like human adjacent folk. Yep. So the earliest evidence we have of of um, of textiles being used is from um, people who aren't human. Jesus Christ. Who wear clothes. So my favorite one Jesus of this. Jesus Christ. So we're talking, this one, it goes back even further. So 50,000 uh, BCE and it's a, it was a Neanderthal cave. They found the long cord that was like this long piece of fiber. And for ages it was just sort of thought, oh, it's just a long piece of fiber. That's could be anything. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what archaeologists are like? This uh, I'll throw it away. That thing there. Don't know. Don't care much. Really. Fucking get on the beers. Um, and <laughs> uh, and then the archaeologists in questions, uh, Hardy Monsell Kerfent at all twenty twenty for those <laughs> wanting to look it up. Um, come on, but, come on, come on, come on. So they found that it wasn't just a long cord in one section that had survived. It had been twisted. So it was actually twisted into rope. Um, and so it was fiber that was turned into rope. Um, and there was evidence that it was not just for, you know, a straight piece of rope. It was also for basketry. Mm. So like sewing and stuff, what leads to sewing, it starts with the use of fiber and it starts with making baskets and making ropes. How to make smaller things weave into bigger things. Yeah. Yeah. And it also starts with um, uh, like the Inuit um, northern, like with furs. They would take caribou furs and they would use the bones of um, animals to thread just just to combine so they could have something to drape around them. Very, very simple mm. pieces of warming. And um, actually Zulu, uh, in the Zulu um, empire, is that the right word? Empire? 
kingdom. Kingdom. Yes. Um, they used sewing quite extensively to uh, weave plants and leaves to create baskets as well. So they had a very similar culture, which yeah, and so developed. Um, what's really cool about that is that it sounds easy. Like it kind of sounds like, oh, you just twist some stuff, you have a frustrating few hours and then you have a basket. But like in order to actually create the fiber, it was made from like um, a birch trees, like bark mm. that has to be harvested at a particular time in its maturation cycle and then like created into a sort of tar in a sort of long process. <laughs> and then you have to form that into fibers from the thick sludge or whatever and then form that into rope. So it's basically saying that like Neanderthals were just as smart as us they would have had to have mathematics to do that, mm. to do that much complex work. But then beyond that, somebody had to have the fucking idea in the yeah. first place <laughs> as well. It's not just like, you know, hey, we, we, we can follow this complicated process. It's like somebody went like, I've got this idea and I think I might cover my dick. So like, <laughs> let, me, let me work on this for like a month and I'll come back to you. <laughs> Three generations pass. <laughs> so um, what's really interesting about what you're talking about is obviously spinning yarn is what we're talking about, is that fibre creation. Mm -hmm. And because of the nature of furs and that sort of culture, the combining of, of two different pieces of material is older than, weave, than, mm. than spinning because yeah. you wouldn't need to spin necessarily in the same, in the same way because you could just mm. use, because um, they used to use uh, sinew from, Animals. Yeah, so you're just straight up saying this is like you know this skin connects to this skin with this bit that I with this other bit from through. the animal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, so they would take right. they would take the intestines and that would be the thread that they would originally use, and then they develop this extra skill of developing thread because that probably would last longer, would be more sustainable, would be less smelly. That is actual chaos, right? Like that it's is actual. I've been walking around blind in this world, yeah, until this day, and tomorrow I'll forget. <laughs> and <Yay>! so <laughs> once we kind of get past this this early stage of actually just going, combining pieces of fabric together. Mm. I think it's a little bit, um, it's, it's quite interesting to sort of then see how quickly simple garments became, I mean, even the clothing that we, we wear today, but I'm thinking about like the 18th century Georgian fucking gowns mm, and stuff. Yeah, like really how do we intricate. go from there to there? Um, and it's the craftiness of, of humans mm. and the desire for the craftiness, as in like sneaking into the Neanderthal camp at night, and <laughs> stealing, stealing their fucking yeah, ideas. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but oh my god, rope. <laughs> but you then you, you then have obviously. What is that? No, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you have this increased need for um, clothing. Essentially, is what happens because <clears throat> um, there are more people, there are more humans. They're living now. We're talking like especially post um, agricultural revolution. Now they're living in settlements. You've got social expectations to be clothed, but also you need to stay warm. You need to all of these things, mm -hmm. and so then you have this development of this craft that an individual would be would have a skill in creating clothing. Mm, yeah, so this is where the seamstress idea that yes, we mentioned before the comes seamstress, in. Seamstress, the tailor, mm. but also just simply the women. The women, the more sim more simply the women, because they spun the fibers, they loomed. I don't understand how a loom works. They loomed the textiles. Can we do witches now? <laughs> <laughs> and they then sewed it together. And so spinning and looming are, are integral technological advancements to the mass production of textiles. Mm -hmm. What the hell, how, why? Okay, so what? looming um, is, it's basically just like a, a machine that you use to weave 
cloth. So you've got thread. You've already got spun thread. Um, That's the and then stuff. You, you basically use a sort of machine to separate two lines of thread um, in a row. And is this a big rectangular kind of one? That yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So it loom in your head, like everybody's head, is probably like uh, it, like every nineteenth century out of an orphanage. Yeah, like yeah. industrial revolution <laughs> drama, and it's a big electric one. So, but yeah. looms go back to like you know a long time. Um, the warp weighted loom is Neolithic, probably. Why? Why? Ah! <laughs> okay, so okay, I have to describe what this is though. So. Just to, to like have this image, like it's a wooden frame. Like you have like a, a cross beam on top and two two legs. And you just lean this fella against the wall, uh-huh. and the threads just hang down. Um, and then you've got sort of several layers of, of of threads, and you use these wooden poles to to and weights to forcibly separate them. Uh-huh. And then you sort of use uh, something to to pass thread between it. It's like like if you were weaving by hand slowly, you'd go um, over and under and over and under mm. the opposing. Thread. So that's what you're trying to do, but you're using the the loom to sort of push it apart. So these ancient looms are just a really simple device that people still use now. I watched a YouTube video of a guy just just doing it in his like bedroom, I think, mm. as, as a as a hobby project. <laughs> and looms exist in We're like in ancient lockdown. mythology and stuff. In the ancient Greek mythology, there's a lot of goddesses that are like crafty with the loom, mm. um, like Hera being the goddess of motherhood and all of that sort of stuff. Very good with the loom, um, <laughs> because particularly before, like just before you have the development of these craftspeople, these seamstresses and tailors, you have the women in the home making the clothes and then they become, it becomes um, a greater demand and so then they end up becoming like a profession, Mm. which I think is really interesting. But what, I, what I find funny about that, just you mentioned before this kind of escalation from just like, you know, I'm going to make my basic clothes that I need to function and wear. And of course now it's like, part of the woman's role in society is to create the clothing and stuff like that. But then like over time that, that being like, yeah, okay. So it's a job here, but because of the escalation now of industrialization and stuff, when people become that role now, like a tailor or whatever, it's a really fancy bespoke thing rather than like, (laughs) I'm the one who makes all the functional stuff. The the one that's still around doing that is somebody's going to make you some like good ass shit. Yeah. It would be like if you were the candle maker, now, you know, like Candlemaker was just like, there's a Candlemaker in every town. There must be. Yeah, it's fucking dark sometimes. <laughs> Half the time it's fucking dark. <laughs> Have you noticed how dark it gets? But I, I think that, that's, that that is an interesting es- escalation because I think it's also, it's entirely wrapped up in um, social and economic changes um, that you start seeing. So you have in the Middle Ages, Europeans had um, the capacity to buy clothing rather than having to make it because there was this, early capitalist sort of like hoarding of money Mm. and you had merchant classes who could afford to buy clothes and so then they would use seamstresses or tailors. Seamstresses did dresses, tailors did suits. So it's already a gendered distinction as Mm. well. Like it's that they're doing two different tasks. Wow. And so um, whilst most of the sewing in the Middle Ages was still being done by women in the home for practical purposes, you started seeing this development of this particularly elite um, distinction of having clothes made for you to you to your body, which is what all clothes right. were made for, right? Mm. All clothes would, especially if you're getting it done professionally, are made to fit your body. They which are tailored to. They you. They are tailored yeah. to you. They are unique to you. But still, in this, in the Middle Ages, the clothing was still this sort of in this cycle of reuse and and re- re- rejuvenation. So yeah. they would make clothing, they would mend it. They would take it apart. Mate, you're the bag. <laughs> Both sides. <laughs> I mean, you wear out the bag. You come back to me and I'll give you a new one. 
or if I reckon I can save this bag, I'll just fucking fix it for half the price. And they do it in that voice as well. None of them actually spoke that way. Horrific. Yeah, yeah that was an interesting experience. Deeply upsetting. Um, it was a troubling time. <laughs> But basically what, what would happen is the cloth would get used and reused. It would get made into something separated, made into something else separated, made into something else, and then pieces would eventually start wearing down. So they would then become, they wouldn't get thrown away. They'd become rags or they'd become mm. something else. They'd be used for other purposes. So all of this hard labour that goes into looming, all of this textile that's being produced, then tries, like people use it till it's death. Like until it is literally threads again. Yeah, wow. And that's the cycle of clothing. That's just like how I treat my wardrobe, to be honest. If I'm being, <laughs> if I am being honest, that is how things generally go. And then, so this kind of stays the same way from like the Middle Ages to the 17th century. You do obviously have a development in style. You have the um, introduction of things like embroidery, which is a whole other mm. space within the sewing community, which I particularly enjoy. Um, which we can definitely talk about. I'd love to because when you say it, I don't specifically know what it is. Okay, so embroidery is decorative sewing. So it's all of the sort of uh, additional components on the basic kind of like material. So, so you've you, got your bag. So you've got your... your, bag. <laughs> so you're, wearing, you're wearing your bag, your bag's been made. Yeah, and so then you might want to add decorative flowers or leaves. A or bag so of flour. This <laughs> is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Can I have yeah. a motorcycle? <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't personally do that, but someone definitely could. And so, obviously, this is um, going through the fiber and addition and adding additional kind of decorative components. You can also add pearls and beads and sequins. Um, and there are lots of different specific stitches that you can do to create different effects of like a raised surface. It's a very technical thing, and it's really interesting. It's now become almost like a meditative process. So rather than it being so, women in the, in particularly from the Middle Ages to the 17th century, would practice their embroidery because they would be decorating their own clothing. They would be adding trimmings to their collars or they'd be adding like like little flower decals mm. on their pockets and stuff like that. And so women yeah. would become very good at this practice of sewing and it was something you were taught from a very young age. And I don't know, like, I don't know if you remember Pride and Prejudice, you've got them all sitting there with their little circle with the not. cloth and like and a yeah. lot of that period piece stuff there doing embroidery. That's what they're doing. They're practicing embroidery. Right. Nowadays, a woman must sew and play the piano. Just forte. to sort of get out of the historical perspective, embroidery now has been separated from this idea of decorative decorating clothes and has now become like a distinct and separate craft where you actually keep it within the embroidery. Like it's almost like a, you create something to like hang on a wall. Mm. So it's like more like wool art. And it's so it is, it is a hobbyist thing. It's a hobbyist thing now. Yeah. And you can still do it. And people do decorative embroidery for like patch mending and stuff. Mm. But it's predominantly now just a separate craft in and of itself. But it's really interesting because it's both feminine and also has been appropriated by feminists. Okay, right. Well, but that's a bit, that makes sense to me yeah. as well. I mean, you've got like mm. lipstick feminism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or it's just kind of like these things that, you know, are, are part of kind of gender constructs in society. Yeah. But it's like, hey, if I want to fucking do it, I'll, I'll do it because i got the freedom to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, it is sort of like a flipping a traditionally feminine thing on its head by going, I'm going to take your feminine thing and and own it as as a feminine thing. Hell yeah. Um, and so it's a really it's a really fun activity. And actually, for Christmas last year, one of my workmates gave me a little embroidery kit where it has already traced out on it an image, and you just you just kind of do it and, and oh, sort fun. of and it's so much fun. And you can get these it's like coloring in. Yeah, and it's it's like coloring in, except the potential of being stabbed is very high. Oh, wow. Yes, it's like coloring in and 
Uh, see, the thing is, I don't know enough about London's regions to figure out where it would be most likely for you to be stabbed. I was going to be like coloring in in. And yeah. we could just insert. Yeah, we'll just do a name <laughs> in afterwards. In another voice, just like. Yeah. <laughs> and so we've obviously already mentioned the Industrial Revolution as being a pretty pinnacle shift within a lot of things, economics, social stuff. But in clothing in particular, it's pretty significant because what you have is the world's first sewing machine, which was in 1790. 1790? Wait, so it's mechanical then? Mechanical. So it's a... Because so like, um, if that's electrical, that is uh, <laughs> experimental. No, it's a steam engine. Nobody touched that shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I have it, harnessed the power of lightning and cloth. <laughs> so I, I don't know if anyone can conjure up the image of a Singer sewing machine. This is not what this is. The Singer, Singer sewing machine is a little bit later, but it's that foot pedal action. Okay, yeah, now, yeah, now I know what and you so mean. And so then... Yeah. The bands, like it just turns a thing and then that turns a thing, which turns oh, a needle. Oh, like a spinning wheel works. Yes. Because a spinning wheel, you turn the wheel with your feet and it's entirely mechanical. So you're mm. using a centrifugal force to basically pull the thread and then twist which is, it over Which the is arm. why you have time to then conjure um, spirits. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you're not doing anything with your hands. Actually, you're Wait holding the, uh, the thread and yeah, the thread of life, <laughs> obviously. So. Um, but what about the scissors to cut the life? Weird aside, the woman who weaves gold, is that Rumpelstiltskin? What? What? Rumpelstiltskin skin is a man. <laughs> is that? Is that no, but doesn't isn't the main person? She's weaving. Wait, that's gold thread. That rings a bell. Okay, man. She like, she takes straw and she can weave gold thread. She lays a golden egg oh, and then the giant. No, 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 no. That's B five. No. Oh god. I'm gonna level with you, man. I got no. Talk about idea. spinning while I figure this out. Okay, so spinning is just a, like a way of getting the um this sort of. Uh, fiber, like rough fiber, so into thread, mm. into yarn. So picture like cotton buds, because that's what, if you pick cotton, that's yeah. what it looks like, it's just cotton buds. Yeah. And you sort of mash it together and you sort of got this big lump of cotton. Yeah. And if you tear at those cotton buds, you can see the, the fibers um, tearing away. away from each other, yeah. But of course they break, it's not one long stream. Mm. And a way to do that is you have to sort of twist it by, by sort of pulling it through this... Um, even onto a spindle before the spinning wheel that has had a spindle, it's a little mm. wooden stick. And you just turn it as your hands are doing a careful thing to hold the fiber in place and it kind of pulls it and twists them together mm. until you have the, the yarn. Weird. And the spinning wheel was an Indian invention from the 14th century and to do that much, much faster <laughs> because they had cotton in abundance, which Europe didn't. True. And in that time period, they, they had the textile industry was... was further ahead. Large and so with the spinning wheel, you then also have the ability to have multiple people in a room spinning yarn. And That's what chatting. we're doing right now, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. spinning yarn. Oh, I so, see this is the origin of the yeah, spinning yeah, yarn. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was Rumpelstiltskin and I am a genius. Well, no, but wait, Rumpelstiltskin was spinning gold. No, 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 no. So he <laughs> was like, if you can't guess my name, you have to um, give me a firstborn, right? That's his whole deal. Yes. But then he... He cha- but I think menacing. the be- I think the beginning of the story is that he's there's a woman who's trapped in a prison somewhere, and she has the ability to spin straw into gold. And I think that's how the story starts. And then something happens in the middle, and then she guesses that his name. That sounds about right. Um, this is not about Rumpelstiltskin. This is about sewing. So we're just going to move on from that. So you I'm glad ha- we cleared that up. But then. so what we have is the first sewing machine, and then we have luddites, uh, mm-hmm. because they're like sewing machines put women out of work, put men out of work because 
they make hang them on. close faster. Excuse me, hang on. Luddite is a category of per- is there was like a movement? Is this what you're saying? Is it like a group oh, of Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it basically it was an anti... So it, it was framed as being an anti-progress movement, but what they were was an anti-losing-their-job movement because there was a mechanisation of lots of um, different in lots of different industries where people were being put out of work because machines were taking over. So they yeah. would destroy machines. That were the Luddites. That's amazing. So like, as I refer to myself as a Luddite when it comes to technology all the time, not mm. knowing the origin of that. So there was a group of people, where did they get the name? Uh, the leader. Lud, it was his last name. Yes, <laughs> very unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Could it, have been named like Smartman. And I love it because- <laughs> A when Smartmanite. <laughs> In history, we we do we do when we talk about the industrial revolution, we talk about the luddites, and I'm always the one because I'm like, so who were the luddites? And they were like, they were bad, and I'm like, they were unionists essentially. They were getting fired. Yeah, they were like mad about losing their jobs, and so the thing that sewing machines obviously did better than so uh, seamstress or tailoring by hand was they were quick, quick and accurate. Because mm. sewing, I don't know if. I'm about to say, I don't know if you guys have ever sewed by hand before. You I haven't. haven't. No, I didn't know um, what embroidery was. Moving it's on. It's really, really <laughs> difficult to do it in a straight line. Okay. I find it hard to do anything in a straight line. <laughs> to be um, honest with you, Sam. That, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And so even with the sewing machine, you have most clothes being made at home. You have women producing clothing as a side gig mm. at home. Um, that's where the hustle culture started. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the, the world's step. first girl boss? <laughs> <laughs> the first step is they've got to develop their Insta profile. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but the interesting thing is obviously it was the only one of the only acceptable professions for women was seamstress. Seamstress to sing. To sing. And because it could still be done remotely, they could do it from the house. There wasn't any of this issue about them entering the public space or being in factories All or of any of that. things that were apparently inappropriate. Bad, yeah. inappropriate, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and this is where you have a shift when from tailoring being half of the course for people who were of a certain like wealth level where mm. they, they would just always get their clothes tailored to tailors being a specialty thing, becoming even more elite. Right. Um, have you, you've gone to a tailor before. I have. Have I mean, you ever been to a I tailor? I have, before? yeah, for my wedding suit. Yeah, and you just went- Just the same. <laughs> just the once though. Yeah, you've been twice. Just for the one wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Let me clarify. <laughs> um, yeah, no. What was that experience like? Uh, it's um, real, real good. I mean, like it's kind of odd because you sort of feel like you're playing out like some- Part in an Austenian drama or something, or at least like you're the guy in the early 20th century and you're getting a suit made for your job interview or something. It's like today's gonna be my day, or you know that's. And you're about to get like run into a pane of glass, (laughs) (laughs) crossing the street or something, and just oh straight into a puddle. Oh geez. (laughs) Yeah, but it's it's amazing because um like I've always all my pants are always too long, Uh, all my shirt uh, sleeves are always too long. And then so suddenly it was like, oh, is this what shirts and pants are meant to be like? And it was like, wow. Mm. And it's because it, it gets back to that thing you were saying, um, Sam, about how um, all clothes were uh, made for a person. They're all made to fit your body. And it was only really a post-industrial thing where they're just mass produced in sizes and you sort of have to just make do. Mm. And so tailoring now is like is kind of like a pricey expensive thing in order for your clothes to actually fit you. To actually look good in clothes that are mass produced these days. So for some reason I've laid out this whole thing now where the 
the early 20th century guys. Like he was getting his suit made because his first day on the job at the department store, which is his future father-in-law's business. And he's been given the chance by this guy and he has to show up and he's doing really well. And then he steps in the puddle and he falls through the glass. At one point his pants get ripped, still has to show up and the... Father's not impressed and then, you know, the wedding's in like three... Anyway, that's where I've been the last minute or so. Okay. It seems like that's a happy ending in the end, doesn't it? Well, I mean, ultimately, because of the pain of glass, I think you can probably safely say that it's a comedy of some kind. And so Mm -hmm. it's going to tie itself together nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say... (laughs) Can I just say... The the industrial revolution in clothing would not be possible without John Kay's... Flying shuttle. What the fuck is that? Which is the so. <laughs> is this a sex? So thing? in a loom, right? <laughs> yes. The shuttle is the thing you pass through, like a wooden object or something that is attached to the yarn, and you pass it through across the the threads in front of you, and through the two layers. It's called a shuttle because you're like zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in 1596. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep, yep. So the flying shuttle is basically an automated one, even if it's not mechanic. It could be just purely mechanical rather than like electric. Mm. It could be like a um, little rope-powered one that you move with your hand and it goes shunk and shunts it across. to the other side. Oh, so it right. means you can do it like about four times faster at least. Yeah, you showed me a video of someone doing it and I was like, that is insanely yeah, quick. Yeah, and it was on an old mechanical one. Of just like this Scottish woman in an old building. <laughs> it was amazing. It was terrifying. But so the flying shuttle was invented in 1730, 1733. Jesus. Um, and it was on, you had to be powered, you know, much later. So that's like steam power um, and, you know, electricity. That's when you start to get the powered loom. Mm. Um, and that get you're off to the races. Um, in a lovely tailored suit. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I've been doing this thing the whole fucking time again. And this, I think this struck in one of our other episodes as well, where I have not been giving our ancestors credit. You know, you like you <laughs> passively think about humans in the past and go like, oh yeah, well, I mean, up until like last week, we were living in caves and shit in the bed. And now it's like, you know, kind of, now we understand that the bed must remain clean and we shit on the breakfast table. <laughs> That is, um, that is definitely what we that's, do. That's what we, <laughs> capital W, do. Um, so <laughs> I, I just, I think it's also, um, it's incredible thinking about that. So if you think about ancient humans and they're inventing this stuff, I mean, maybe that's why in folklore, like um, across the world, um, sewing, thread, spinning, weaving is usually something handed down mm. from something else. It's like from the gods, it's a gift from the gods. It is personified by the gods and like, so, and usually the female gods. Um, yes, always the female gods. Yeah. Um, in, yeah, including the Valkyrie. There's like a song where the Valkyrie are, are weaving on a loom made of bodies. Oh yeah, and guts. Okay. And, and guts, you say. Yep, guts. Wow. Badass. <laughs> I was like, but what cool bitches. What's kind of cool They're the original girl boss. Yeah, the first girl boss was a Valkyrie. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Weaving and spinning and sewing associated with women in folklore, uh, but also with spiders, which is an interesting combo. Well, that I mean, like, makes perfect sense, yeah. doesn't it? It does. Because they weave, weave webs. Dad ass. Because again, it's an explanation of like, humans don't remember who invented. I knew it was going to come down to an abdomen at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we prophesied it with a loom. Sorry, continue. Um, it makes sense that you would have you would say, oh, the spiders gave us weaving or the gods gave us weaving because humans don't remember the people who invented it because it's possible we weren't human at the time that yeah, we invented it. Fucking incredible. Um, but also, uh, maybe 
So like there's all this folklore about spiders teaching humans. Like maybe that's actually what happened. Like if you're talking about the person who invented it, maybe that person was watching a spider that day and had a crazy idea. Guys, I have an idea and I think it might cover my dick. <laughs> the, um, the <laughs> spiders teaching humans to weave. Have you ever, dude, it might be a weird question. <laughs> have you ever looked at a spider's ass and gone... <laughs> I'd like to cover myself with that. <laughs> Be I mean, gone! Well, especially... <laughs> Banish it! <laughs> considering that um, silk being kind of like a really high, um, highly valued, um, high class sort mm. of like material, mm. which is made from silkworms. And it's similar, shit, isn't it? It's like actual physical it's shit? Like, is it shit? It's mucus. Oh, I was hoping yeah, it would be shit. It's butt mucus though. Butt mucus, oh, that's great. <laughs> um, and it's oh, no. uh, very difficult to produce. Yeah, uh, which is why it is so coveted. And so that's like what um, what China had early on. So it's like, it turns out like India had tons of mm. cotton. Um, China had silk, and they mm. developed it from like five thousand BC. And you <laughs> know what's really, a really interesting? Long time ago. Yeah, things we were getting done early. In we China. haven't even, and we're not going to be able to because I didn't read into it because I just realized we haven't even started talking about dyeing of fabrics, patterning of fabrics, creating the style. Like I know looming was one way that you created multiple patterns in a piece of textile but there's also like the indian tradition of dyeing fabrics and stamping things i don't i didn't even think to look into that because it's a whole other thing is this you leading into the fact that we should make merch is that what you're suggesting <laughs> you, you, you so, want to make t-shirts sam i get it. i get it okay, well can... i do make shirts no i don't i've never tried to make a shirt. screen printing which was developed in the 15th century <laughs> um i mean it probably was i don't know but just to sort of tie a neat little bow um or sew a neat little bow hey, into it that's the um, topic <laughs> Into um, sort of the chronology is then you sort of get into like 21st century, 20th century, 21st century um, relationship with sewing mm. as an individual person. So before that, you were probably interacting with either, uh, you were either sewing yourself or you knew someone close to you who could do it. You knew a guy. You knew a guy. And yeah, you need some yeah. fucking embroidery done, I know a guy. <laughs> yeah. And so then what you get is you get- it fantastic work. I love it. Um, one, you get the, um, make it, it it's easier- for women to do sewing in the home, but then you have women entering the workforce. And so having ready-made clothing becomes more of a necessity. Mm. And then you have low price of ready-made clothing in shops and accessibility growing and 21st century consumerism and all of these things. So you have this kind of boom of these, of these sort of mass produced clothing and that makes home sewing an incredibly almost luxury thing. And almost kind of countercultural. Countercultural, right? yeah. So it becomes this thing that someone does. Yeah, man. Yeah. And so it's it's either rooted in an interest in fashion or desire to tailor to to adjust your clothing that you've bought. Or just bought. born of an abundance of spare time. Yeah, like or just that, a hobby. That, for that amazes sake. me as well. That it's like again, this is like a this is one of the things coming into this that I was thinking about. That it's like we're talking about an ancient tradition based out of necessity and something that has been functionally and traditionally passed down along the chain of life for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And now it's like, we're kind of bored in COVID ISO and I just kind of wanted to learn how to do it. <laughs> yeah. like, I got all this time. I'm just and you have, them. you know, you have uh, 
custom dressmakers. Like the skirt that I wore to my wedding was custom made by somebody who on Etsy does these sorts of things. You give yeah. her measurements, she makes something nice for you. You get to choose all the materials. So it's kind of bespoke, and it's, yeah. uh, well, it's sort of a, they're an artisan now, yeah. rather than like a um, like a like a role, like a job. Yeah, or, like a crafts. Easy. Like rather than being a craftsman, you're, you're now an artisan. artisan. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and in I the th- same way as say an embroiderer, 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 <laughs> an embroiderist, <laughs> the embroidens. Employ dudes. Yeah, and so that kind of brings me to sort of then my, like sort of the weird trajectory that a lot of my reading went into when I started learning about sewing, particularly sewing as a hobby is sewing as a counterculture, um, like Sam said. And so there's now this developing tradition and developing movement within sewing, which is uh, almost like a sustainable clothing practice repair culture. Right. And so you have this idea of the fact, like you basically you buy clothing and then if it gets a tear, you fix it mm. rather than just replacing it. And that is becoming a count, like it basically is being adopted as like a anti-consumerist counterculture. Yeah, a rebellion against the disposable fast yes. fashion kind of vibe of things. And I think it's really interesting because it's forcing us to reconnect with sewing. Like if you want to be able to repair a button, mm. you have to understand how that works and you have to pick up a needle and thread and you have to learn how to do that. If Mm. you get a rip in a pair of pants, you need to learn the techniques to do that. And so it's almost like- It just makes you look like a fucking badass and you leave it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because we know that like it only took like two generations for that not to be common practice, at least in, you know, like Western countries like like ours, um, the skills of sewing and stuff. Mm. It used to be just taught to, I mean, especially women- Um, like everyone. as recently as 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. It's just like, like a normal skill. Yeah. My grandmother knows Actually, so. I have something to contribute here, guys. Um, wow. I remember in my studies at university, which of course I did not, I mean, I'm a drop, a multiple dropout. I'm like a three-way dropout. Three-way? Um, but I think that's, can I rephrase everything I've said? <laughs> <laughs> no, you must charge on. Never edit, never change, three-way dropout for life. <laughs> uh, only fans starting really soon. The, uh, there was a... Um, <laughs> A, uh, a culture, and I can't even remember the specifics of this, but it was like something to do with fishing and watching based on like archaeological remains, um, watching a particular type of fishing technology fall out of knowledge. And it's really sad mm. to think of it that it's like they fished with nets in this particular way in this particular region for this length of time. And then mm. like one generation, it kind of like the nets were fewer and far between and they were kind of shit and then they weren't using them anymore. So it's mm. obviously like it just fell out of what they were doing and it fell out for enough generations for that knowledge to be completely lost because, of course, mm. this is before writing and mm. whatever else. Mm. So it's like fortunately we can look at history and kind of go like, oh, yeah, this is sewing. We literally have video footage of this. Yes. This is fine. But at the same time, it just shows how quickly that can actually happen where it's like if this yeah. isn't being handed down generation to generation, it takes two generations and it's gone. Yeah, and, and consumer clothing is such a quick, like, phenomenon, really, that we're in that it's countercultural. It's, like, edgy to do what we were doing 50 years ago in relation to repairing clothes <laughs> and what we had done previously to that since before we were human beings. <laughs> and somehow yeah, it's just like, like, oh, my God, we've got to do this revolutionary thing where we fix stuff when it's broken. <laughs> yeah, and, like, patch things. And, like, there's this whole visible mending culture, which is very, very cool, where they rather than... So there's, there's like, kind of a mending where you try and make it as though it was never broken in the first place. 
And then there's this other movement, which is visible mending, where you deliberately use clashing colored threads or you do patches that are very, very obvious. So it's sort of going like, yes, I've worn this and I've mended it. And that like is that a distinction. Japanese mm. pot repair thing. Oh, they I love um, Kinsinki. Okay, let me quickly look that up. <laughs> but no, it's a very similar thing about going like, it doesn't matter that this has been broken, I have fixed it. Yeah, I, I did a bit. Yeah. Look how edgy I'm being. <laughs> I'm going to be edgy. You know, we're going to be like hip in the streets, Neanderthal in the sheets. Which is <laughs> Well, I mean, we did have sex with them, so... We did, we? Yeah, oh, humans? Cap- capital W-E, one thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 <clears throat> Kintsugi. As in humans. Shit on the humans. breakfast table. <laughs> Ancient humans. Had sex with had Neanderthals. Had sex with Neanderthals. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's like... I, I feel like I'm fairly strong evidence of that, to be, to be honest. Kintsugi. Apparently they could get it. Apparently they could get it. And they had rope. And they had rope as... Well, let's... Uh, let's <laughs> not, let's say it. It's called Kintsugi. K-I-N-T-S. UGI Sam is the one that actually give has it, give it. to studied Japanese. This just says Kevin. You've Kensuke. Just lo- yeah. Kensuke. Yeah. You just looked for a man named Kevin. I don't know why you're searching. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I mean, it's a very similar. It's a very similar fashion as well of going making the mending process um, beautiful and something new and something out new. Of, out of it and I think that's really cool because again, that goes back to what how clothing was kind of dealt with, which was you would take something that was broken and you would break it down. Like the one thing that I've learned is that unpicking garments is like most of what you're doing as a sewer is just like taking things apart and then quickly putting them back together. It's like, mm. um, but they would do that. They would take things apart and make something new with the material that they had. Mm. Um, and I think that's really cool. And that's why I sort of wanted to get into it because I was sick of finding clothing before like companies realized that having clothes for curvy people is a good idea. Yeah. Um, nothing fit properly. Everything was either too big or too small. And Until it was all Fräulein uncom- Maria made you those uh, clothes out of the curtains. <laughs> and it was magical. Um, but I sort of got, re- I was getting really sick of not finding anything. And so I knew my dad had a sewing machine. And so let's see if I can figure out how to do this. Um, and it, it's it's a skill. It's a proper proper skill. I it was going to take me a very long time to get to any kind of level of competence with it, but mm. I'm trying and I'm continuing and persevering. But it's a very meditative process, and it's a very enjoyable process. I can see that because you have to be so consumed by the pro- like if you if your mind strays from what you're doing, things can go wrong. You can become shirt. Well, yeah, you can, and I, I love this. I think weaving human skin. Yeah, um, I actually we prophesied. Um, the your prophecy. mother sent me this image, which is really, really funny. Which was advice for a singer sewing machine manual from 1949. So this was advice from the manual from 1949. Oh fuck yes, hit us. So it says, prepare yourself mentally for sewing. Think about what you are going to do. Never approach sewing with a sigh or lackadaisicality. That's wow. not the word. Anyway. <laughs> Let's see. Lackadaisically. That's good enough. (laughs) You know, never try to sew with a sink full of dirty dishes or beds unmade. When they are urgent housekeeping chores, do these first so that your mind is free to enjoy your sewing. Um, And and this is my favourite thing. Have your hair in order, powder and lipstick put on. If you are constantly fearful that a visitor might drop in or your husband will come home and you will not look neatly put together... You will not enjoy your sewing. That bit we can kind of do without. That's unreal. But I think it's a really interesting. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just love that the core of that is just basically do your tasks, woman. 
<laughs> and you better look good doing it. <laughs> but I, I love that. So if you must. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I love it because I think that first part really captures <laughs> when you're doing sewing, It you have to be so focused on it and you and you should be so focused on it because it is something that is so ancient. And, and even hard. Though, and hard. And <laughs> even though I'm using a machine that mm. makes it so, so, so much easier, I couldn't even imagine hand sewing this stuff. Yeah. So I've got the easy task. I always wonder, um, I'm sorry, I just keep going back to like, you know, it's it, it takes so much concentration that you can't possibly be distracted by such things as your husband finding out what you really look like. <laughs> 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 but I'm amazed, you know, when we're talking about the looms and stuff and yeah. people, we just, I, I start picturing, you know, like uh, the kind of patterns on rugs and, and clothing mm. and things like that. I'm going like, Trying to piece together how somebody made that puzzle happen with thread manually with mm -hmm. the thing. And of course, maybe people are listening to this going like, yeah, dude, it's simple and you're blind in your head. And maybe that's true. But like, <laughs> I find it re it's really it's really fucking hard to imagine the, the thought process that went into that. So it's fucking incredible. I wouldn't want to be thinking about somebody coming and knocking on the door while I don't have my makeup on. So yeah, I mean, horrifying, horrifying person. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really is just so amazing when especially that original thought of all clothes are handmade, when I'm now looking mm. at the clothes that I'm looking at and going, like wearing on my body and going, someone made these. Mm. And that is something that has been happening for hundreds of thousands of years. Mm. Someone making these. Not these specifically. These aren't ancient. <laughs> Long sleeved tea. <laughs> Long sleeved. It is in great nick. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but cloth, sewed together. I think it's pretty amazing. Somebody took an idea that another species had and then we did it for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> that that ancient history shit, man, that blew my head off. That's 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 made me uncomfortable about the way I've been thinking about the past for my entire <laughs> life. And hopefully I can return to normal at some stage soon. But for now, it's completely uprooted my thought. Um, what a fun thing to talk about. I'm wearing clothes. I'm also wearing clothes. Are you wearing clothes? <laughs> Sam, yes. answer the question for the people. And we hope that you all out there are wearing clothes and have enjoyed your time with us today talking about sewing. And I'm going to say the word haberdashery again, even though it's not relevant. <laughs> it's adjacent. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. I learned a lot and I'm probably not going to start sewing um, because I couldn't be fucked putting makeup on in the first place. <laughs> uh, to be fair. It's pretty hard. <laughs> But it is an amazing thing and uh, let us know if you're a hobbyist or indeed someone that sews professionally with, or does, are you an embroiderer? <laughs> <laughs> let us know. You can hit us up on social media at the Music and Everything Podcast on Instagram and at TMIE Podcast on Twitter. It's been wonderful hanging out with you guys. So it's goodbye from me and the Sams. Bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Take care of each other and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.